1: Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris. On today's Australian Open Round 3 catch-up, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. Daniel
2: Medvedev is stunned by Corda. Danielle Collins falls to Rupa And Sam Stoser brings the curtain down on her glittering career.
1: Chris, today is the 22nd of january and we are here to catch up on round three of the australian open at tennis weekly hq we are recording on sunday morning here it is a very frosty one in the uk and we've already had some round four results spoiler alert igish fiontech and coco goff are out but as i said we are going to be focusing on all the round three results from friday and saturday we'll be back tomorrow double quick time for our round four catch up we've had so much drama i feel over the last couple of days chris daniel medvedev is out Australian Open finalist from last year. Well, both Australian Open finalists from last year because Daniel Collins is out as well. And of course, Sam Stoza has now officially retired. You know, singles, doubles, mixed doubles, whatever the event, Sam Stoza is never allegedly, never coming back onto a tennis court ever, ever again. She's brought the curtains down on her career. Can we believe it this time? That was my question. I think
2: she said this before. And when you get into specifics, so if I'm retiring from singles in these types of <laughs> tournaments, or um, I'll retire from mixed doubles. Uh, and then I think she took a wild card in singles in Strasbourg, having retired from singles. So I think it's a bit like Serena evolving away from tennis, but I don't think Sam Sosta will evolve away from tennis. Ooh.
1: Well, I thought the tears were very real this time. So oh, I, real tears. I
2: think she's rubber-stamped it. Uh, we'll see her on the Legends Court, probably in this slam. She might <laughs> end up playing that event
1: well exactly exactly but yes sam Stozer has officially for now played her her last match and uh yeah we've got a lot of drama to kind of talk about kim is in bruges at the moment so it's just going to be me and chris to talk about round three and we've obviously got to start chris with day six andy murray roberto bautista agut rba coming through in four sets six one six seven six three six four andy murray after i mean what about 15 hours or so on a a tennis court is out um of the australian open dan evans also lost as well to andre rublev i mean what did you make of the andy murray rba match because we both watched it Mm-hmm. For me he was like the energizer bunny. Again, I just did not understand where he finds that energy and that belief when given, you know, what's happened, how much time he's spent on court against Berrettini and then Kokonakis in the second round, regardless of it being a defeat. Were you impressed with the levels that that Murray was able to bring to the court?
2: Yeah, I think I was very worried after that first set. It was not competitive um he was not able to move that well and it felt like he was turning up in a bit like obviously it's not quite the same but after that john isner nicholas Mahu match where isner then went out like love love and won or something like that he was clearly completely exhausted from the effort
1: um it also gave me flashbacks to because i was looking at their head to head and i remembered last year rba defeated murray like love and won in Uh, I think it was in Dubai, and uh, it was probably one of his worst performances of the season, probably of his his career, to be honest. And as you said, after that first set, I was also a little bit worried in terms of, you know, is this scoreline going to look a little bit silly?
2: Yeah, I mean, the same. And then I think when he went down very kind of convincingly um, in the second set, down the break for 4-2, it looked Mm. like it was kind of game over um, in that sense, and that he was playing the match he wants to be professional he was going to get it done but obviously he was very physically kind of inhibited during that match so it's a it's obviously a big shame he put in a great effort um the thing that i did find quite interesting was that because andy needed to try and keep the points a bit shorter it was great to see him go for his backhand a bit more you know i think that backhand down the line he was free swinging wasn't he way more free swinging and that's something that with the hip operation obviously it's um the hardest shot to hit really is to get your your body in that position to take that ball down the line. Um but he had to. And so I think it's something where that maybe there is a slight lesson from this in terms of striking that balance between kind of not playing yourself out of a tournament, but also kind of thinking about not just the match in front of you, but also the tournament as a whole. Um but like unbelievable Australian Open. It's just a shame. He deserves way more than forty five ranking points for this. He deserves, I don't know, just Boost him up the rankings by about fifty places because what he showed is just unbelievable for for anyone who's ever ever even considered a hip operation. Maybe we should both get one job. We might be better at paddle. We might be better at tennis. <laughs>
1: Maybe I'll be better on a tennis court with yeah with a with a metal hip. Um, I mean, where do you think this leaves Murray in terms of? kind of the the rest of the season, Grand Slams going forward, do you feel kind of more optimistic? I think he said in his post-match press conference that he feels that his Grand Slam performances have you know exceeded his own kind of expectations. He feels like he puts in a really, really good showing when we get to the best of five-set format. What do you think his next kind of goal should be for for this season?
2: Yeah, I think that's
1: a great question
2: because I've always well, since he's kind of come back from um, obviously having the operation, it's something mm. when you watch him play where you feel like he he's very frustrated with the fact that he can't do what he was able to do in a tennis court. And he said in this um, Australian Open that he just loves playing tennis and he might not look like he's always happy out there, but he really genuinely is loving it. And it's the happiest moments that he has. He, and so I think... For me, I'd love to see a bit more of that come through. And I think it's not about the results necessarily. Obviously, it's a big deal getting his ranking up because it means he can play in some mm. of these better tournaments. Yeah. But the nature of the tour is that it is such a small margin. If Berrettini made that backhand, would we even be talking about Andy Murray in the same way? It's And it's it's when you play against all these players where they're all so gifted and on any given day, someone could put in a fantastic performance. Um, I would argue that I wouldn't think it's right to talk about what he can do at slams i think it's about individual tournaments it's about how he's feeling that week um and hopefully the ranking will rise he's at 62 in the live ranking at the moment um and this is after kind of a full season of tennis so that's that's my only concern is that if you look at the ranking you look at the results um it's not going to lend itself to return to the top 20 at any point but these grand slam results are why you play tennis to play at this level on this stage to get that feeling back that obviously he wasn't able to To kind of move away from so I just hope that at Wimbledon he can put in a great performance um the French I'm not sure (laughs) uh particularly if I have high hopes it was a
1: bit odd last it was a bit odd last year because I think he was he was really conflicted about oh do I play on the clay do I not because I think he played in was it he played one tournament in Madrid he took like a wild card very last Mm. minute and then didn't play the French Open and just sort of, I think, played Surbiton Challenger in, instead and started his, his grass court season early. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, obviously, we've got a lot of hard court tennis to, to come before then with you know Indian Wells and Miami. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he approaches the clay season. But certainly, I think this tournament should give him a lot of courage and confidence that he can still kind of mix it with um, you know players that are uh, you know ranked ranked above him. And I really hope we do get out of that funk of of win a match, lose a match, mm. move on to the next sort of which I felt was a lot of his story over the last um you know, over the last twelve months last season. Um I did like Uh, I enjoyed, he did tweet, and this tweet has gone mega viral on on Twitter, 192,000 likes. He tweeted, two days ago, I randomly bumped into the doctor who in 2017 told me the good news is the problem you have in your hip can be fixed, but you won't be able to play professional sport again. I think we dispelled that myth the last five days good night um and i think for me that is the that is the legacy i think of of australian of sorry of andy murray at the 2023 australian Open you just you can just defy um you can prove you can prove people wrong it's goosebumps he's proven science wrong right Mm,
2: completely and and i think (laughs) it's so, so often you hear these stories that are inspiring but not necessarily um Kind of the the reality like you can do anything, and some people are like, well, you can't if you have a metal hip and and he's and, and I mean it's incredible, I mean, I get goosebumps, and when I watch Murray play and when I watch him him do well and you see him putting so much out there on the court like it's hard not to kind of get emotional watching it because his story is incredible, and I know that we always talk about the metal hip, but
1: do you get bored of how much we talk about the metal hip, or do you are mm. you just like every time I'm, i are you just like, man, I am in awe of that?
2: I guess it's a bit like the age thing and sort of like Venus Williams or some of the top players where we've been talking, um, same with like Federer and and Nadal, well, more Federer, but Mm. we've been talking about it for so long about like, will Federer Mm. be able to play in London 2012? And he was only like 30 at the time or something. So I think those (laughs) ones are like, of course you can still play tennis, but I think we didn't realise with this one is like that he can still really play tennis and he can move in a way that no one would ever thought. So am I sick of it? I think the label I'm sick of, but the context I think is so significant to the incredible things that he's doing because it's incredible anyway. About it. Yeah, exactly. But with this in consideration, it's genuinely unbelievable.
1: And just a word on Roberto Bautista Agut, because obviously they played each other. I think was it in 2017 or 2018 when we had the retirement video after Bautista had given also Andy Murray um, a, a loss um, now he is on to face I think Tommy Paul in round four I mean I think um, RBA has gone unnoticed and underappreciated for many years on the tour he is also not a, really a spring chicken I think he's 34 years old and again his longevity on the tour, he's still a seeded player at 34. And I still think on his day is a very, very hard uh, customer to kind of put away. Doesn't really give you a lot of errors. I thought in this match, his his lob was it was almost Andy Murray-esque. I thought his lob was, was fantastic. Um, a lot of people talk about him as like, doesn't really have any major weapons. And as a result, has that sort of stunted his uh you know his potential you know in it throughout his his career but what, what, where do you see rba in terms of this result where he could go given you know where he is in the draw and not having that big weapon do you think that is a big factor in his you know in where he is at the moment
2: yeah i mean he's someone that you know will make it very hard for you to beat them um mm. but you are able to if you have a level that's above his um but if not he can yeah. Go with anyone, you know. Um, he's someone, for example, his next match against Tommy Paul that's not a good matchup for Tommy Paul because Tommy Paul is on the edge of the consistent side of things, but he is not always putting together his results. But I'd argue that his talent level is higher than Batista Agu. But for that one, I would definitely predict that Batista Agu would get that. But I mean, I've also counted out Batista Agu very early on in this tournament. But if you look at his sort of like performance timeline across his career. He's only been to I think it's I think he's only been past the fourth round uh, mm. twice in his entire career. And so he's had a very long career, but he hasn't necessarily kind of um he's been eclipsed, you know, but on, on the yeah. tour.
1: Are you trying to say he's the male Elise Mertens? Um maybe a little bit Elise Corneas. Oh, okay, okay. In that sense,
2: but maybe he is actually <laughs> well actually that's probably quite a good one. Similar sort of peak ranking, um, mm. I round his, 3
1: round 4 maybe a quarter final at a grand slam
2: yeah but like it's only happened a couple of times that um he has gone that mm. distance but yeah. i think it's hard to consider him a title contender um and mm. even when he made that semi final it was like he was on borrowed time He's was like i can't believe it sort of mm. thing um i don't know but you, you had high hopes for him in this tournament so Maybe yeah. <laughs>
1: maybe you know something we don't, know. I Joel. did. I think that's the only... I mean, I think that is the only kind of saving grace as a, as a Murray fan. Obviously, I was was disappointed. But hey, I did have RBA predicted to get to the quarterfinals. And I believe you... I think... Well, Kim certainly, I think, laughed at me. I am so um, really sort of... hard.
2: So, um, <laughs> we'll not be... So, the joke's on her. Yes, it but, is. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> but yes. Uh, but I mean, we did have Novak Djokovic as well. Have more hamstring issues, but come through against Grigor Dimitrov, 7-6, 6-3, 6-4. I mean, that opening set tie break, he took it and he edged it 9-7. Again, didn't look really promising for for Djokovic at times. Still a lot of doubt and uncertainty over just how fit that that leg is. Where do we think Novak Djokovic is going into kind of the the second week? Is he Like Andy Murray, do you think he's now running on fumes or do you just think it's amazing that it looks like to me he's playing at 70% but at the same time his level is still good enough to defeat someone like Grigor Dimitrov who who I thought put a pretty decent match together defeat him still in straight sets.
2: Yeah, I think with this injury it's clear that there's something that's bothering him. And in the last podcast I think I wanted just to clarify that I do think when he... Visibly displays an injury that it is a real injury, but I think it's the nature of the severity of it. I think is something where it's very easy to draw the wrong conclusion. Um, because if you watch that first set, you'd have thought if he'd lost that first set, maybe he was going to retire. It genuinely looked like I'm <clears throat> sorry, he was that that troubled by it, and um, that's something where I do roll my eyes a little bit because these people are playing professional sport of the highest level, they are moving. In I mean it's peak performance to move like that, and is he inhibited? Yes, um do I think it will have a detriment to his performance here seventy percent Djokovic. I'm not sure what seventy percent of the physicality is the issue. I think he has the mindset of a champion. If you watch those points against Dimitrov, Dimitrov is the opposite of that. He is unable to convert he's unable to take his chances. He can miss anything. He any can't seize the moment, can he? he? Really Whereas can't. Novak Djokovic can. Yeah, and he will know, he will give himself the, an opportunity no matter what his physical condition is. Um, mm. And that's why he's probably still playing the tournament because he knows that his 70%, but with his mental fortitude, I mean, that's enough to get it done against the 27th mm. someone twenty seventh seed um, who wasn't able to ask the right questions in the same way that Batista Agu was, obviously it's Murray, where he was almost kind of, dragging him around the court making it as physical as he could Mm. Um, and Dimitrov just just couldn't do that so it's a different Novak Djokovic I think there could be some tricky tricky matches coming up but he'll be having all the physio and rehab on it um, every other day so (laughs) I don't know
1: maybe the cryogenic
2: chambers back out Um, yeah
1: we well we we don't know but we'll see I mean he's got Alex de Menor next I think Alex de Menor has had a very nice gentle route to round four um so I think this is certainly going to be his first proper test but at the same time I don't think you know that's not an easy matchup I think for for Djokovic you know Demenor is going to be running around the court it's going to be I think trying to put Djokovic on the run as well um and I think that's probably the name of the game at the moment so we'll have to see yeah if Alex Demenor is able to kind of implement that strategy I mean we did have other straight sets victories uh in day six we had jj wolf ben shelton as you said tommy paul all come in through straight sets into round four so the americans still going well i think a lot of talk about ben shelton who mm-hmm. alexi popper in his post-match interview was very praiseworthy of, of ben shelton he just you know he wasn't disappointed with a straight sets defeat. he just felt ben shelton played some lights out tennis that he he couldn't live with and he said he's a top 10 player for sure so where do you stand on on Ben Shelton do you think he has the highest sort of roof and and ceiling with the the Americans left in in this part of the draw with as I said with Shelton Wolf, and Paul I
2: think he he could be kind of cut from a bit of a different cloth for some of those those other players that you've mentioned Mm. who haven't necessarily or might have matured a little bit later in their game i think he's taken a very sensible approach to his professional development he played an awful lot of challenges at the end of last year and got some great results Mm. i think he picked up something like three challenges um in november it was kind of no one had kind of done that before
1: i believe this is his first time ever abroad which i find i find amazing i mean it just shows i guess how much tennis you can actually play in the united states if you really wanted to but if you were from there and vaccinated <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly but for him to come out first first trip aboard first trip away from home um, and into the fourth round i think it's very very good signs is it not
2: it definitely is um that he's handling it really well but it is also mm. kind of um the question that will will it get to him from an experience experience perspective i mean he's had a, a, a very good draw he did just make it past Zhang in that first round in a, a final set tiebreak. So, yeah, he's um, he's clearly got good nerves. Like he's won, I think, all of the tiebreaks he's played. I think he's won four from four tiebreaks. So, um, if he can if he can control the controllables, his serve, I think he will get past JJ Wolf. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's, again, we love it when a young player comes through and is able to kind of um, give us hope that when. Some of these greats aren't playing as much that we're going to get some really good tennis
1: it could be like a sort of run dare i say carl edmund you know went on mm. um you know those years ago uh, which i was which i was there for where he got to the you know the australian open semi-finals maybe he, he looks at you know he could look at something like that as, as inspiration that you know it can happen for an up-and-coming player on, on the tour given yeah. the right kind of circumstances and he certainly i think has that opportunity i mean a couple of the big seeds are still in as i said andre rublev defeated dan evans very easy straight sets hit lots of winners and i feel like defied all the talk of the balls at the moment fluffing up and being hard to put away well if you watch that rublev evans match i think rublev yeah just unfortunately just overpowered evans from the the very first point but chris before we get on to the 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 women one player i want to talk about very quickly is a player who i don't think has been talked about at all but i know you're a big fan of and certainly where you're living at the moment as is, is a big fan of
2: mm.
1: holger Runer against hugo mm-hmm. umbear again very very easy no fuss straight sets coming through the draw do you feel like he is maybe a contender
2: i mean how can how can he not be you know given what he did in in paris and um he hasn't dropped a set here i think he is so focused um, and I think he's actually someone that almost everyone would be able to um, take something from that in order to kind of achieve what he has achieved, he has to, you have to prioritize tennis above everything. And he has always been um, completely obsessed with it. Like every single min about every single tiny mm. part of the game, um, every, all the players he watches so much tennis as well. And physically, I think the biggest difference from the start of last season to the start of this season, is he's in an unbelievable shape, and I think that will be something.
1: And he's brought in Muratoglu into his yeah, into of course. And I think
2: moving into the, the the rest of the tournament, that will probably be in my eyes kind of one of Djokovic's biggest tests if he's able to get past yep. Rublev, um, which I I think he, he I think he can. Um, he's a great great defender, um, and I think he I'd love to see him in a five set match against like a Djokovic type. I think. That would be yeah. really interesting to see like what he would be like in those moments. But um yeah, I think it's great. I'm glad that he after getting kind of that bit of a surprising loss at the start of the year, that he's back up and running and putting some uh, results together. Um but I don't want to talk about it too much. I don't want to jinx it a bit like um <laughs> Nadal and 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 kim everyone's not dancing on the streets of of copenhagen just yet right well i haven't um haven't been out yet today (laughs) um but uh, there are articles that do say like about what time his match is on and people are asking the question in the office so um there's interest
1: there's interest (laughs) we'll see if it continues i mean on the ladies side yeah there wasn't really that much in terms of uh you know shocks and, and surprises you know there were straight sets victories for Sabalenka, uh, Bencic. Nice to see Karolina Pliskova going well in the tournament Mm -hmm. um, alongside Donna Vekic. One player who did have a slight wobble was Caroline Garcia. Uh, She was playing Laura Siegmund of Germany. A very tricky, a very, very tricky customer. Um, Came through one 6 six three six three in just over two hours i mean for me garcia as, as once she found her serve i think in in this from the second set onwards it was able to turn the tie in her favor but she, should she be a little bit worried in terms of how that how that first set went
2: i mean it was bad bad um i watched some of it and it, she could Did you have make... to
1: turn it off because it was that yeah, bad?
2: But I was it was a very difficult time watching <laughs> that, uh, tennis yesterday morning because Djokovic was injured. Murray was losing the first set 6-1. Um, didn't know where to watch his Garcia um, not playing well is, is pretty painful. I think in mm. that first set she hit, um, I think it was uh, 16 unforced errors in a 6-1 set um, and just six winners. So it was really, really not good. And uh, she was very annoyed with herself. But I think from watching that I think she got her head went down a bit too early so I think what's good is she did pick herself up she didn't get down on herself and and she kept kind of finding a way but but then then a couple of games as you say a couple of games later the first serve kicks in and you think how could anyone break her so very odd that one
1: everything is right in the world again
2: yeah it is it's like if she's off kilter I mean we've talked about this before when you take as many (laughs) risks that she does on a court it's gonna be Mm. as I said bad bad but I think we're really pleased to see her go through because, you know, we, we've seen it with players who get to that sort of number four ranking or n- number four to two ranking and don't get the Grand Slam results. And I think it's really important for her, as we've said, like if she doesn't make it past, you know, a Sigmund type at this point of a Grand Slam, then is she a contender? I think you asked that question. Um, but we are very pleased. We The prophecy could still be realised. I don't think it can be realised in. Uh, Melbourne, given Eager's rankings, but uh, ranking points.
1: I mean, the prophecy The prophecy has already happened for Elise Mertens because she's got to the third round and then left the competition uh, to, to Sabalenka in very kind of straightforward fashion. I mean, a player I've had my eye on, I think a lot of people had their eyebrow raised at this because we had Magda mm. versus Alexandrova from Russia on the night session of Rodleva Arena after the Djokovic match. And people were like... Is that, an, is that a night session match? But I love, I love Magda Lynette. I think she, on her day, is for me, like a little bit like Jill Titman can be a very hard player to, to break down. And again, she came through very, 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 very well against uh, Alexandrova. I think similar to probably, it sounds like Caroline Garcia in that first set, Alexandreva was just spraying unforced error after unforced error i don't think her her head was right it was painful to watch at times but lynette was just lapping it up and uh i think you know now she is in round four um well i was going to say with eagle Igor tech, tech is out magda Lynette is the last remaining pole in the in the ladies competition but um yeah she's again having a very very good tournament
2: she is i did think it was a typo when I saw the schedule. Um, and I do, you do feel bad for the players, though, because I think mm. in a sort of a Wimbledon context, we all know that that happens kind of a lot more from a scheduling perspective where if a draw opens up, they want to make sure that the players have had that experience on centre court prior to sort of the biggest match of their career because we've seen it before at Grand Slams where people's first match on, say, Chatrier or on Ash might be their semi-final or final. And it's uh, something else to contend with that... Um, Scheduling is able to facilitate a situation where that doesn't have to happen, um, but then you look at this part of the draw and you think there's no absence of players that can, well, you would predict would go further than a Magdalenette. So um, I was slightly more surprised that we didn't get kind of a a von Drusever, uh for Vertava sort of match um, in that slot instead, mm. um, because you think for like the young the young talent the new story the comeback story, um, there might be something more more in that, but. I'm glad that you're enjoying yeah. Magellanette's tennis so much because I think you might be more <laughs> passionate about her tennis than Eegers.
1: I know. Well, I was so glad we saw her at the, uh, the BG King Cup finals in, in Glasgow. But yeah, She's very I mean, the, as you said, the Czechs, the Czechs are doing well through Vertova, through against Vondrusova and also Karolina Pliskova, who again, not really many people talking about. She's just sneaked in there as a seed. She's number 30, but again, is going quite well um, in the tournament. So um, yeah, we'll have to... We'll have to see how everything progressed, but it was all kind of fairly straightforward for the 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 top the top seeded players. Um we've got to talk about Sam Sosa now. Now officially retired. They uh she lost with Matthew Ebden in the first round of the mixed doubles. They lost to Schuurs and Mektic, uh Dutch Croatian pairing. So where where does this you know, now that we can Look back on all of all of uh, Sam Stose's career. What are your lasting memories um, of her? Because I think you know, for me, what is impressive is that she has she has been there and done something in singles, in doubles, and in mixed doubles. And I don't actually think there are many players you could say have 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 been so impressive at a Grand Slam in those three different events.
2: Yeah, she really is um, a triple threat when it comes to her tennis and I think um, she's been able to obviously win a Grand Slam, which is unbelievable and beating kind of the greatest player, well one of the greatest mm. players of all time Serena Williams in that moment and doing it in such convincing fashion. Um, not to kind of be the the downer of the podcast on this one, but I do just think when you look at her game, it is so big. She doesn't really have weaknesses. Um, and that serve, that kicker second serve is probably one of the best second serves ever from a, a female tennis player in terms of on, I mean, on clay, it makes it almost impossible um, to play when she's when she's hitting it right. But it is one of those stories where unbelievable achievements, um, but she's always struggled a little bit to kind of consistently put together the results put on. it together. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that that's kind of my my overriding thing is what a great what a great person what a great player um
1: but you don't think she put it together enough
2: it's the mental side of the game you know the mental side of the game mm. when it came to playing in australia um i was really rooting for her to come through in the 2010 uh, french open when she lost to francesca Schiavone in that final because almost her best surface is clay and i think for me it's, it's those sorts of results where she wasn't when the pressure was on her to win that she was seeded to win that and when she was atop top like the most sort of higher echelons of tennis where she was not a great front runner so for me it's a it's it's she's done a great amount of tennis but the way i'd sum it up is that she might be one of the best doubles players going but she can still miss any volley on a singles court
1: <laughs> yeah that's uh yeah it's yeah, interesting you, you talk about that and yeah she's definitely very 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 accomplished yeah for me i just think yeah it's 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 not quite clicked for her I think in her career on a singles court in in Melbourne which I think is a little bit of a shame yes she's won the you know the, the Australian Open in in the doubles event in the mixed doubles but um yeah it's I think a bit of a shame that you know pre Ash Barty you know there were times when you know we were thinking is Sam Stosur the one to you know finally you know win the the competition in in, in the ladies singles event as a as a home Aussie and yeah just didn't quite click for her, did it
2: still fantastic career fantastic career we should make it yeah. clear that unbelievable um
1: we are harsh here we are nitpicking i think ash have, Barty, as you said- maybe
2: ash Barty's made me a bit uh my expectations of australian tennis have kind of skyrocketed
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean yeah and and as i say she is a she is a triple threat she is great on a singles doubles and mixed doubles court but we are going to be taking a quick break now, uh, but do join us in the second half where we're going to be taking a look back on all the action from day five, so do not go anywhere.
0: A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times.
1: Welcome back to the Tennis Weekly Podcast with Joel, Kim and Chris, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to move on to day five, Chris. And one of the big stories from day five was Daniel Medvedev. Daniel Medvedev losing to Sebi Korda, who's now in the quarterfinals, came through a very long five setter today against Hubert Hercas. I mean the manner of this defeat uh, was straight set 7-6 6-3 7-6 Medvedev's now going to be dropping out of the top 10 what did you what did you make of this performance were you surprised at all or was this for you a, a genuine upset because for me that's the I think the the way I've seeing it being portrayed in, in the news is more of a surprise I would say than I would actually say given how well Court has been playing lately
2: I mean I think it it is a surprise because in one of us looking at the predictions if someone mm. plays the tennis level that they can play like he played against Djokovic uh, in Adelaide then you would predict him to win this match given the form he had coming in but he, he's been so absent from the tour and had so little experience at this sort of level um, and against a player who's as seasoned as Medvedev you'd think that he, Medvedev would be able to make it difficult enough and the nature of of uh, Seb's game is that he he really is very, I mean he's very, one of the most aggressive players on tour when it comes to ball striking so you could see that being prob- well, problematic at times for him because you really have to have full conviction so I would say I was surprised by the manner of, of of this win, I did not think it would be straight sets but I think he what I liked about it is that it's almost like Seb Cord has got a much better understanding of his game that he is not going to be the person um, who is kind of going to Outlast an opponent necessarily. He has to beat them by making more more shots and more winners than he makes unforced errors. Well, that's
1: why I think he comes to the net more because he's got yeah. a great. He's got a great touch and a great feel. I think at the net, and as I say, he doesn't really get into these like long. Extended rallies with with Medvedev. Yes, he can kind of hang with Medvedev from the the baseline, but mm. when he does get that opportunity to come forward, he is coming forward and he's gonna he's gonna try and you know kill it at the net if 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 the opportunity presents itself. And I think that's what I think you know. I think that's again what sort of did Daniel Medvedev in a little bit was you know when there were, those opportunities were presented, Korda was coming in and, and finishing off the point.
2: Mm. Yeah, and I was gonna ask you the question with um with Corda and sort of and the way that he was playing does mm. medvedev stand too far back he was so far back yeah i um, certainly
1: think against a player like corder, i think yeah he was because he's a guy who's comfortable with with coming in and i think when you're that far back it's just such an obvious kind of yeah. strategy to to go to
2: and you have so much time like corder had so much time on the ball because mm. medvedev was so far back and that for me, I'd love to see a change up for him in that match because he essentially just said, right, Seb, if you can hit the ball past me more than you can't, um, more than I can retrieve it, then you'll win the match. And that's kind of just what happened, you know?
1: I mean, just, just on Medvedev, do you, and he has dropped out of the rankings, uh, sorry, out of the top 10 rankings, but it's weird. I still don't really see him. He's, his tennis for me is still top 10 tennis it might not necessarily be at the level it was at uh, you know when he got to an Australian Open final last year you know has won won the US Open against Novak Djokovic but I still don't think he's like I still don't see him like outside the the top 10 and and maybe that makes him going to be dangerous in Masters events where his seeding is going to be a bit trickier than you know what it was as I said yeah a few years ago
2: yeah I think it will be a bit different for him um and I think it's one where I'm sure he'll be back up top 10 top top 5 mm. this season maybe even after um sort of the, the golden swing but what I mean when you see some of his results it's so clear that he is a cut above sort of the the 20 to 10 in the rankings um like he can dismiss players like he had great wins ended last season when he took when he won the Vienna title um you know beating sinner making sinner look pretty um pretty average and ordinary he had some good yeah. results, um, you know. Getting at, to in, the
1: final in, in Kazakhstan as well. When yeah, he, you know, and, and that level Djokovic against Djokovic, in
2: um, Kachanov mm. dispatched him at Adelaide this year, straight sets, and obviously Kachanov is is now having a great run here. So, mm. I think it's a case that um, he he will be right back up there and, and being a contender, but it's just something isn't quite matching up, and, uh, and it's I guess it's it's one where you you have to kind of drop down a little bit sometimes. And I think playing the 500 in Vienna and kind of winning a 500 was actually mm-hmm. probably more important for him than, you know, if, he, if he'd made the final of like a, a Paris, for example, because you have to get that, that winner's mentality back. So, I mean, I'm not concerned. I'm, I don't think you are either. Are you? I think it's just a, no, a blip.
1: It's just going through the yeah i feel like it's just sort of going through the the motions at the moment um i mean we also had wins for yannick sinner uh hubert herkash who lost today he defeated denis Shapvalov in in five sets but one player also through um and now is in the the quarterfinals. yuri lehechka now he beat cam Norrie in round three six four in the fifth set um i was a little bit disappointed because i thought there was a little bit of an opening here for, for Norrie who you know who has been playing some very very good tennis and I thought uh oh, this is this is a bit annoying but seeing Lehechka also come through today in four against Felix Auger Aliasim I mean again similar I think to, to Ben Shelton uh, Lehechka is another player who is you know still in charge of his own, own destiny at the Australian Open is certainly one of the younger players who is having a bit of a, a breakout moment down in Melbourne.
2: Yeah, and I think we probably should have taken a bit more note, shouldn't we, with the result when mm. he took out we take, should have taken him more seriously, I think. Yeah, from, we really from should have, one. because that was quite the statement victory. And we were probably a little bit harsh on, on Norrie in that sense, because mm. that was obviously uh, a 5 set match, and now he's packed up with a win over Felix. But it does kind of lament the point that we talked about with the, the, the stars of Breakpoint and the next gen, is that um, if, you, if you miss your window to win a slam... Then this next gen are gonna really yeah. make it hard for you.
1: And what's scary is is Lehechka was in the next gen finals at the end of last season. He's now already doing this.
2: Mm, it's mm.
1: not. It's not taken. Well, it, it obviously, you know, the time will tell in terms of if this was a you know single moment or whether he can kind of keep it up consistently across the season. But the way it's. It's gone from that that transition, um, and now he's in a in a quarter final. It's just, it's scary, but it's also very very impressive. So impressive,
2: and I think it's a case that players like Felix Ojala um, Sim they have to look at some of these results that they have, and and kind mm. of think about the fact that I mean he was the player going into sort of the end of season finals. Um, well, at one point we thought he was really kind of the outside outside best bet for that one and this was the grand slam that came after all that great run of form that he had so it is a bit disappointing for him but i think as we've said the young guys um i don't think that this this sort of middle tier of men's tennis are at all intimidating to them um i think that if you're able to as you say kind of take control of of the way that you play if you have if you have a good like strong serve um um, these great retrieval skills and um a pretty big game I mean we've seen it with with corder he 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 he's never gone that far in grand slams he hasn't had that much practice or match play um coming into this, and obviously these guys are able to put together some of the best results of of their career um so i I think wouldn't it be crazy um it should be one match at a time, but if someone like lechka would be able to you know go all the way i mean that would be a Ooh, truly breakout grand slam That's victory. big
1: talk. It's, I think that's big talk, especially when Stefanos um is in is in your half of the draw, because for me, he's looked... I mean, he came through against Griespoor in, in straight sets, and it's just been very, very easy, comfortable for him. Um, very, very serene. So, um, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> maybe we should get it too ahead of ourselves. I mean, looking at the women's side um we had two kind of very notable high profile matches we had victoria azarenka former australian open champion against madison keys and we also had daniel collins versus ribikina um wimbledon champion so daniel collins lost out to vibakina and madison keys lost out to victoria azarenka chris in terms of both those those matches were you surprised with the the victors or or did you did you sort of see it coming from the off?
2: Ah, uh, that's always a tough one. I think with the Rybakina.
1: especially with Azarenka keys, uh, I
2: feel because honestly, those two. I mean, two. the
1: scoreline just shows it. Like they are just both. I feel just such. I think keys even more actually. It's just such a hot and cold competitor on mm. her day.
2: Mm-hmm. I just I can't get excited about Azarenka at the moment because we've seen her put together these results and then she'll lose sort of in in mm. the fourth round um and not quite make it past for that great run and she's she is really focused so I'm not sure where it comes from um but we've seen her lose some marathon matches and I think for me who do I think is the most likely to to kind of get it done and so I was I think that's Azarenka so I was pleased that she did because um if she, I'd love to see her at a later stage of matches because I feel like the results that she's got since she's kind of been over 30 have not matched necessarily the, the tennis she can play. So not that surprised by that one. Um, the, the Rubikina-Collins match, I, I'm very pleased to see that sort of Elena's actually able to to play tennis that is sort of the top 10 tennis that she sh- where she should be ranked um, to kind of prove people wrong and kind of go under the radar and obviously we know that she's now taken out eager so again wouldn't it be almost um a crowning moment for her if she's able to to get a second Grand Slam and still not be ranked in the top ten. I mean, she would be, but you know what I mean. It's um,
1: you just know every every victory, every victory she's having or or upset uh for Rubikina, it's like two fingers up at the the tournament organisers who yeah, or you know, her out yeah, to court yeah. to court twelve or, or whatever in you know first out on on court twelve or an untelevised court
2: um, in a car park. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they really have um pushed her out there so mm. she needs better draws so for me I'm also pleased by this because you want to see these players um kind of playing at the latter stages of tournaments and Rybakina's list of first round matches has, has been like appalling she because she's in that sort of space <laughs> where you do get them and yeah and so she's win one lose one win one lose one um but I did see uh Joel that there is a, a line here about Collins that um my f- ultimate favorite tennis player Daniela Hantrikova, that. Somehow mm. you managed to find this stat that Collins is the first woman to concede more than 30 games en route to Australian Open third round since Dan- Danielle Hachková in 2014. Uh, great, and that, great is, that is a great stat. And so, whoever found that, I hope that Dan- uh, Danielle Hachková has been made aware because the things that she put her fans through, um, especially <laughs> in the early
1: rounds of Grand Slams. Are you listening, Danielle? Probably well, um, not. Yeah, um, I mean, it's well, very I've, got un- another, Collins. I've got another... I've got another stat for you not our, our listeners, actually, and it concerns Igor Fiontech who I know is is now out, um, which we'll be probably discussing um, tomorrow uh, to to back in. But Shviontek and Magdalene were the first two poles into the Australian Open um, round four. And that has only happened one other time in the open era of two polish ladies getting to round four of a grand slam it also happened in melbourne in 2008 now chris can you tell me who those two polish players were who achieved it back then well so i was thinking
2: about who who this could be um and this is when i have to fully confess that i was able to get (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> probably most of the round of 16 but i had no idea as who this was so obviously it was radwansko so i remember 2008 mm. on the subject of hanchikova was when i think hanchikova should have made the final when she won the first eight games of her semi-final against anna ivanovich before crumbling in that one so that australian open is particularly it sounds like you haven't
1: left that defeat in the past to be honest maybe i've left
2: uh, i'm still in the australian open early rounds (laughs) just thinking daniela what were you playing at I, i had no idea and i have to confess that um i i do not know
1: well it is as you said Agnieszka radvanska and domachowska blast from the past um yeah kim kim knew who Domachowska was but i'm not gonna lie i i will hold my hand up i not necessarily heard of that name as, as big a diehard tennis fan as i am um yeah oh wow i'm just looking at her, her results she did yes that was the
2: only fourth <laughs> round that she made i think we should put kim on the spot on this one next podcast and say what was um some of her standout moments from her career yeah and what was her see. career
1: high ranking come on kim um yeah. Yeah, but um yeah, I mean Shontek now out now. Um Coco Goff as well also went out today against uh, Ostapenko. Um so yeah, it was it was um yeah, interesting to see kind of easy wins for some of these players and then yeah, have gone kind of crashing out in the next round. I mean, before we finish, let's quickly touch on some doubles um because there was some big doubles controversy involving Alison Risk Armitraj. Um, She had a doubles match with her partner Linda Fruvertova. It went viral um, on social media uh, in the last 24 hours. They were playing Panova and Zala Midzi, um in um, what was, I think it was in in, in round one um, of the ladies doubles. Now. If listeners haven't seen this, just just go on on social media on on, on Twitter and type in Alison Risk Armitrage because she has all she is all over this clip because they had a point and Risk went for the smash, hit the player across the net who got the ball back and she apologised saying sorry because she thought she had hit her opponent, which the visual suggests that she did. But the umpire did not see it that way and called hindrance on her apologizing midpoint. And uh, it, it sort of spiraled from there. I think the, an, an organizer was, was brought on. She's been all over kind of social media, particularly with the lack of technology on, on outside courts. I mean, Chris, what did you, what did you make of this incident? Because, um, yeah, Alison Risk-Armitage was, was not happy, um, to say the least.
2: Yeah and rightly so. Um, I come from the school of thought where umpires getting it wrong is unforgivable because it is 100% their full remit the way they sh- they should be aware of everything that happens in that court. I, I get a bad call here and there, I get a bad overall, sometimes that happens but this one was inic- well, it's inexplicable in terms of how this happened. I mean Alison Risk said, was he sleeping? This is ridiculous and for for that to be something where you sh- that you weren't able to 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 see what was right in front of him, it was even on on this, his side of the court, um, and that's also why you just you just feel for the players because then the supervisor also happened to be on that court, and then as yeah. said, "Where's the supervisor?" and they said, "Oh, hello." What a here. coincidence! By I what mean, a coincidence! what, by what, by what the way? are they doing there? That's so kind of bizarre. Know, they're big like um, ladies' doubles fab, yeah. Maybe. And and then um, she said, oh, I wasn't really paying attention." Um, so it seems like AO officials just not paying attention to this one Um, and I think there's not enough really made of some of these kind of I mean umpires I think should sometimes um, make it really clear you know or the AO should make it clear that a bad call was made because it just makes the players like that Alison risk out of context like she said some quite heated things and she was completely justified to but it it does make out of context you look like you're being a bit badly behaved
1: we are getting more and more players I feel say or apologise midpoint I remember I think it was Medvedev Bublik last year when it also happened and I think uh, Bublik was just like oh this is going to end up on, on highlights because it's just a, a funny moment but it does seem to be happening more often where players you know are looking to be sportsman like show sportsmanship and actually they're, they're sort of shooting themselves in the foot um, you know leading them to, rightly or wrongly to to lose the point. so um I don't know if it's a trend that will will continue, but um, yeah, I, I just think you know from my point of view, I just think the the player on the opposite side of the net, uh, sh- they should have shown some sportsmanship and been like, actually, it did hit my leg, so it should be point to mm. you know risk arbitrage and and, and through I agree you know, that that didn't happen. Yes, you could say it's the umpire's call. It's not my you know point of view to kind of get involved so um yeah just an interesting kind of moment um listeners yeah have a look at it see what you think yourself let us know on on social media what did you make of it because yeah, Alison at risk armature very very uh animated about it
2: and let us know if you could figure out what happened first time round i had to view it a few times so we have discussed yes, it. yes
1: that is very true it's you hard to do tell. have to look at it on loop with a bit of a zoom in um yes um but <laughs> but listeners, we're going to be back tomorrow we're not going to preview today because it's already in progress um but we will be back tomorrow evening uh kim will also be back so it'll be joel kim and chris to catch up on round four so i hope you can join us for that. Remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action to come with week two firmly in our sights in Melbourne. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major podcasting platforms out there. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.
2: You can follow us on social media or email the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Tennis Weekly Pod. You can email the show at tennisweeklypod at gmail.com. Or you can check out our website at tennisweekly.co.uk
1: and we will be back tomorrow evening for our round four catch up already some big shocks on the tennis courts in Melbourne which we're going to be discussing at Tennis Weekly HQ so I hope you can join us for that but in the meantime it's goodbye from Chris goodbye and it's goodbye from me we'll see you again soon